Hello and welcome to this special Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we'll be joined by all our contributors, Chris, Sheridan, and Andrew, who will give their segments a little Easter twist. But we also have all our segments. Sister Marie Paul Curley will be here with Windows to the Soul, Mark Matthews with What's Good in Hollywood, and Jillian Cantor learns a lesson from her kids. So that's all coming up. But we start, as always, with a song. Here from spiritandsong.com's Easter playlist is Josh Blakesley's Be Lifted High. Your voice is over the water Your voice is over the sea your voice is mighty in power and wisdom and love and charity. The heavens thunder your glory. The heavens testify.
That was Josh Blakesley with Be Lifted High from his album Waiting, published by spiritandsong.com. Coming up is Andrew with our Easter Saint, but first, Chris is here with our news. Well, it's been another busy week for Pope Francis. What a whirlwind, first being I elected know. as Pope and then right away having Holy to go week, into yes. Holy Week. So he celebrated Chrism Mass in St. Peter's Basilica. And he already showed with the Mass of the Lord's Supper that he's mm -hmm. doing things a little bit differently. Just a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Normally, the Mass of the Lord's Supper takes place at the Basilica of St. John Lateran. But this year, it took place at the Casal del Marmo Youth Detention Center. And this goes back to uh, Cardinal Bergoglio uh, when he was the Archbishop of Buenos Aires. His tradition of celebrating Mass in a prison or a hospital or maybe a hospice for the poor and marginalized. So this really follows a particular tradition that he has done. Now this mm -hmm. wasn't televised uh, from the Vatican, but some images were released afterwards because of the sensitivity of, right. of having the, uh, the young the inmates, prisoners. Yeah. It was a, a very simple liturgy. Uh, of course, it's known for the gesture of the washing of the feet and the Pope uh, washed the feet of 12 young people chosen from different nationalities and mm -hmm. religions. There were about 10 girls and 40 boys present, and they also took part with the readings and the prayers of the faithful. And they gave a pope, they gave the pope a wooden crucifix, a kneeler that they made in Very a nice, workshop yes. there. And then the pope in turn gave them some Easter eggs and something called a columba. I've never seen this, but apparently it's a traditional Italian Easter cake shaped like a dove. Yes. Maybe like a panettone, I'm not uh, sure. Kind of. I think it looked yummier than a panettone. Yeah. Now, on Good Friday, the Pope led the celebration of the Lord's Passion once again in St. Peter's Basilica before heading over to the Colosseum in Rome, the ancient Colosseum. And there he presided over the Via Crucis devotion, the Way of the Cross. Every year, the meditations are written by someone different. And this year, the meditations for the 14 Stations of the Cross were prepared by a group of Lebanese youth. Why them? Well, it was on the invitation of Benedict XVI, who visited Lebanon back in September, his last right. papal visit. Benedict wanted the whole church to pray for the Middle East and for the tensions there and for the uh, small Christian community that's there. And the youth prepared these under the guidance of the Cardinal Patriarch, Boutros Rai, who was the head of the Maronite Catholic, one of the Eastern Rites of the Catholic Church. And then finally, uh, tonight, Pedro, uh, the Pope celebrates the Easter Vigil in St. Peter's Basilica. Mm -hmm. But uh, already, Pedro, for, for those of us who work at Salt and Light, hoping for maybe a little bit of a, a breather bit of after a breather, all yes. these, these events of the, um, the last events of Pope Benedict yes. and then the conclave and then the installation and now Holy Week. But we're not, we're not done yet because uh, the Holy Father needs to take possession of the Basilica of St. John Lateran. This is the official church of the Bishop of Rome, which people might think that that would be St. Peter's Basilica, but it's actually yeah, St. Right. John Lateran, which is one of the four major basilicas, basilicas. that are in Rome. And uh, so that's going to be taking place on April 7th, which is the second mm -hmm. Sunday of Easter and the Feast of Divine Mercy. And finally, Peter, one last little bit of Pope news. Yeah. Lots of rumors about the Pope maybe going to Argentina in December. Yeah, I know. So I'll, I'll be updating you on that if the Vatican confirms yeah, it. Yeah, we'll be watching. Thank you very much, Krista Matrenko. Happy Easter. 
our Salt and Light Radio News producer, Krista Mitrenko. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, tell us what you think about Pope Francis. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Hello, this is Robert Fiducia, General Manager of SpiritAndSong.com, and you're on the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. To get some handy parenting tips, stay tuned, because coming up is Jillian Cantor with what her kids taught her about Easter this week. And now it's time for... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Oh, Deacon Pedro. Yes. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. <laughs> I've been dying to say hallelujah for four yes, days now. I know, I and know, I, I can know. totally say it. Can I just say, because this is a saint segment, that it was Saint Augustine who said, um, we are an Easter people. Oh, yes. And, and hallelujah, hallelujah is, is our, our song. song. Yeah, that's go. right. Got that on my desk. Okay, so who's our Easter saint? Oh, okay, for Easter, we're going to take a look at Saint Gregory the Great, oh, who, uh, the for our listeners, will uh, know him as Pope. Pope Gregory the Great, Yeah, yes. Pope Gregory the Great. So he was born in Rome in the year 540 and mm-hmm. was the son of a wealthy senator. And uh, his name was Gordianus, who later, like, renounced the world and became one of the seven deacons of Rome. Oh, So you could sort of relate to him. him. I like him already. (laughs) After he had acquired the um, education he had, uh, Emperor Justin the Younger appointed him the chief magistrate of Rome. And he was only 34 years of age when he got that appointment. Now, after the death of his father, St. Gregory the Great built six monasteries in Sicily, and founded a seventh monastery in his own house in Rome. Okay. Um, and that ended up becoming the Benedictine Monastery of St. Andrew. Okay, I like that. Good. So you like that. Yeah, I like that. Um, he himself assumed the monastic habit in the year 575 at the age of 35. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's quite a young age. Um, St. Gregory was chosen Pope by unanimous consent of the priests and people. And that came after the death of Pope Pelagius. Uh-huh. Um, and he ended up gaining the title of great. Uh, he was known all throughout the world for his zeal and for his wisdom. Right. And he was in contact with all the churches of the world. Mm-hmm. And in spite of his bodily sufferings and all the work that was involved with the papacy, uh, he found time to compose a great number of works. Uh-huh. He wrote. He, right. yeah, he yeah. taught. He is known above all for his um, magnificent contributions to the liturgy of the Mass right. and to the office. Yes, yes. So um, we know St. Gregory the Great to be one of the four great doctors of the Latin Church. Mm-hmm. So he died on March the 12th in the year 604. He is the patron of teachers, and his feast date is September the 3rd. Okay. Now, because this is Easter, I kind of wanted to uh, just read a little bit of an Easter prayer that St. Gregory wrote. So um, okay. he says... It is only right with all the powers of our heart and mind to praise you, Father, and your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Father, by your wondrous condescension of loving kindness toward us, your servants, you gave up your Son. Dear Jesus, you paid the debt of Adam for us to the Eternal Father by your blood poured forth in loving kindness. You cleared away the darkness of sin by your magnificent and radiant resurrection. You broke the bonds of death and rose from the grave as a conqueror. You reconciled heaven and earth. Our life had no hope of eternal happiness before you redeemed us. Your resurrection has washed away our sins, restored our innocence, and brought us joy. How inestimable is the tenderness of your love. We pray you, Lord, to preserve your servants in the peaceful enjoyment of this Easter happiness. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with God the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. Very nice. 
Yeah. So, so that's St. Gregory, Saint the, Gregory Great. the Great. Saint Happy Easter to all of our listeners. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Especially so, our friends in, uh, in the South, yes. in the United States. St. Pope Gregory the Great, feast day, September 3rd. Thank you very much, Alleluia. Andrew. Hallelujah. <laughs> Andrew Santos, our saint expert. Hi, this is Jackie Francois, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Jesus Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. This is a special Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. You can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And now it's time for What Our Kids Teach Us with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, happy Easter, I guess I can say that already. <laughs> happy Easter, Pedro. Yes. How are you? Good. So what have you learned from your kids about um, Easter this, this, this yeah. year, yes. This year, this Lent, um, yes, this uh, they have taught me, Henry in particular, I guess, was valuable in this lesson. They've taught me to simplify. Um, as hopefully many of us experience, we start out Lent with great ambition. And, uh -huh. Yes. Um, and I feel like part of my troubles in my Lent is that I, um, I'm too ambitious and I either I'm trying to give up too much and or take on too much, um, and I, I don't really focus. Um, and so therefore, with when I'm trying to give up every vice that I have, I'm bound to fail, and mm -hmm. never that I'm going to come crashing down and just, you know, Lent is going to seem too hard, and I'm, nothing I wanted to give up is working, and yeah. it's just a, a list of troubles that, that are plaguing me during Lent, and a feeling like nothing is going right, and this is the worst Lent ever, and I'm not able <laughs> yes. to sacrifice, and God must surely hate me by now for no, my yeah. lack of devotion. Uh -huh. um, so in the middle of all this, one of the things that I'm trying to do um, is go to daily Mass whenever possible with mm -hmm. the kids. Um, so on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I take Joseph to school, and then Henry and Annie and I go to Mass. And we're always late because yeah. school drop-off time and Mass start time are at the same time, so uh -huh. we come in late and so I was feeling a bit um, discombobulated I guess when mm -hmm. I came into the church and was coming in late and had these two kids and trying to get us settled and and just also too just thinking about this Lent's not going very well and I'm really frustrated <laughs> with myself and like come on Lord what is it all about so in this mass um, it's very quiet there weren't that many people there and the church is very echoey when there's not that many people there mm -hmm. um, and so Henry was diddling around in the pew I think he was playing with my wallet and he wasn't paying any attention to what was going on um, and I was kneeling down and then all of a sudden he looks up looks at our priest and says very loudly <laughs> hey it's the body of Christ <laughs> and I it's, when he was started speaking I could hear the hey it's and it was almost as though he was going in slow motion, and all I could think of was, what are you about to say, and how loud is it going to be, and how much will this embarrass me? <laughs> but when he came up with, it's the body of Christ, oh, I was, it was kind great. of a, a moment of relief, but also a moment of, oh my gosh, you're right, it is the body of Christ. And that's what I need to simplify. I need to just look at that and realize that is what Lent is about. Oh, that great. is what Easter is about. It's about Christ and his body up on the cross. It's mm -hmm. about Christ and his risen body. And it's, that's it. That's our, that's our Lent. It's our Easter. It's our faith. It's, it's about the body of Christ. So I just hugged Henry and I whispered, that's right, it's the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we continued on with our Mass. And, and I can't say that my Lent has been perfect since then, but I think I have a 
maybe a better focus, a better idea of what it's about, and I'm also not trying to take on too much, but just keep it simple, and just like Henry said, just, it's the body of Christ. That's, that's what it's about. That's priceless. Now, <laughs> remind our listeners, how old is Henry? Henry is two. Henry is two, yeah. and he's has a profound understanding <laughs> I know. of what's happening at Mass. I love it. That was the other thing. He's like, where did that come from? That's but great. <laughs> so, That's great. Yeah, he keeps us laughing, that guy. Well, thank you very much, Jillian. Again, happy Easter to you and to Joseph and Henry and Annie and David. Thank you very much. Happy Easter to you as well. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace, and she's a wife and mother of three. And now a song from spiritandsong.com's Easter playlist, Tom Booth's Cry the Gospel. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Shine for all to see. So when the Father there believe. You are the light of the world You are the salt of the earth You are the salt of the earth Bringing mercy and peace To every person that you meet you are the salt of the earth Say not that you are too young We are holy, we are strong With purity and love and faith Proclaiming Christ today Be holy The Lord be glorified Be holy Cry the gospel with your life Standing at the gateway of our faith On the rock of Peter and the saints With the Holy Spirit showing us the way To be holy And cry the gospel Cry the gospel with your life Come to do your will Yes, Lord, we come to do your will Not only in our words But in our living it is heard Lord, we come to do your will Say not that you are too young We are old we are strong With purity and love and faith the Lord be glorified Be holy Cry the gospel with your light Standing at the gateway of our faith On the rock of Peter and the saints With the Holy Spirit showing us the way To be holy Cry the gospel, cry the gospel with your life. Say not that you are too young. We are holy, we are strong. With purity and love and faith. Proclaiming Christ 
unity and love and faith. Be holy. The Lord be glorified. Be holy. Cry the gospel with your life. Standing at the gateway of our faith. On the rock of Peter and the saints. With the Holy Spirit showing us the way To be holy Cry the gospel Cry the gospel with your life That was Tom Booth with the title track of his album, Cry the Gospel. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour live on Salt and Light Radio at saltandlighttv.org slash radio, also on the Catholic channel, Sirius XM 129, and on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network out of the Diocese of Omaha, Nebraska, also available as a free podcast off iTunes and a free download at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And here now is Sheridan with our diocesan update. Hello, Pedro. Yep. As you know, we had a Canadian delegation attend the papal inauguration mass for Pope Francis in Rome. Uh-huh. And one of the people who was part of that delegation was Clay Emo, uh-huh. the Director of oh, Office of Youth yes. and Young Adult Ministry for the Archdiocese of Vancouver. So you know what I did? I called him up to find out what it was like to be there representing Canada and the ca- Canadian Catholic Church. Clay, thanks for speaking with us. Once again, uh, it's my pleasure. Anytime. So you were part of the Canadian delegation attending the inauguration mass. How did this come about? Yes, well, um, I found out that I was nominated by, um, there are a couple people that offered up lists of of names. And, well, I can't say who that was. Um, I was part of one of those lists. And it turns out um, they whittled that list down to about 14 or 15 people of of Canadians from across the, obviously across the country, different experiences, different, uh, I guess, uh, skill sets, talents, whatever it may be, and I was blessed to kind of make it through every round of cuts, so to speak, and in the end, um, yeah, they chose the youth and young adult director from Vancouver, and um, I was the only one from the from the province of BC. Wonderful. And um, I think, yeah, I think it was just, uh, they're obviously looking for diversity, I think was the main thing, and people that would be able to not only appreciate the experience, but would be able to articulate and share their experiences upon returning home. So... Is that that or they went on looks, one of the two? (laughs) Uh, What was your reaction when you found out? Uh, Complete um, shock, uh, amazement, uh, flattered, and um, actually one really quick story. I got it by email first from the... Uh, uh, an employee of the Governor General's office, and then the the person left a similar voicemail. So um, I I thought it was spam, actually, you know, like someone telling me that they wanted to uh, bequeath me all their money or, or, or take them on a trip somewhere. So I actually called him back right away, and my very first question was, 
is this legit? <laughs> and he said, um, Mr. Emo, I can assure you that it is indeed legit. So it was kind of, not only did I get a governor official to say the word legit, but it was, um, it was more importantly, it was a confirmation that it was indeed true. And this was Wednesday night. They basically said, get yourself to, to Ottawa by Sunday morning. Wow. And we go from there. So describe the atmosphere. What was it like? Uh, in Rome itself was, it was, I keep using the word amazing. It, it sounds like a super superlative or, or like I'm just exaggerating, but it truly was. There was such a, a mood of anticipation, of excitement, because obviously this is a historic time for the church, yeah. a time of transition. And, and it, I know these big things happen in Rome all the time. So for me, as a first-time traveler to Rome, it was magnified in that way. But everything leading up to the actual Mass, and of course the Mass itself was... It was actually quite reverent, I, um, and I'll talk about the Mass in a second, but really leading up to it, I think anticipation and excitement is the best way to explain it. And just with, with roads being cornered off, all the markets and streets and vendors getting ready, it was just it was a, a really neat buzz in the city, obviously. Right, and what was the most moving part of the experience for you? Yeah, there are there a couple. At the Mass itself, um, I, I was just in awe and really touched by being in the presence of, of Pope Francis, you know, although he did his homily in Italian, so I didn't know what was going on. I had to ask people yeah. people afterwards, but I just sensed the, how people would just were, were really um, enthralled and really paying attention to every, hanging on every word that he said. Right. And I was very impressed with the 200,000 people in the, in the square, how reverent it was. Yes, once in a while, you know, a cell phone would go off or someone would stand up to take pictures, but overall, I think people would recognize that they were not just part of history, but really just wanted to honor the what we were there for, and that was to to um, to witness history and to, of course, uh, be one one uh, community in the body in Christ, receiving the sacrament, of course, and and just um, listening to Pope Francis, one of his very first addresses to the entire world, and then and then prior to that, you know, just um, moving around with the the delegation, meeting the governor general, traveling in a motorcade, stuff that I would never experience <laughs> in in Vancouver, but um. Pretty darn cool, I must say. I got, I got used to it pretty quick, but uh, back to reality pretty quick as well. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Uh, quickly, tell me about the summer training camps you're gearing up for right now. Yeah, thanks, Sheridan. We have two that um, we run every summer. One of them is called Youth Leader. It's, uh, we partner with the ministry out of the United States called the Center for Ministry Development. And basically, it's a one-week, I don't even call it a camp, it's more of a one-week training institute where we empower uh, children, uh, youth uh, from 14 and older to become better Christian leaders. Mm-hmm. Facilitation, discussion, negotiation, th- uh, g- those type of skills that will basically empower them to go back to their schools, their parishes, and their and their families and communities to become better Christian leaders. So that's one, and we're doing that one in July. And the other one, it, which indeed is more of a camp, it's in August, it's called Searching in the Spirit, and it's for uh, kids getting confirmed, usually in, in Vancouver, it's at the grade 7 level, so 12-year-old, 13-year-olds, and this one's kind of cool in that we we built this one from scratch 14 years ago, so it's all of our people, it's all of our material, and the cool thing about this one is we recruit 14 young adults, older teens and young adults, to help plan and execute and run the program. So it's not only great for the grade 7s and their adult leaders that come, but it's also wonderful training for the young adults that um, get a taste of diocesan youth ministry and then indeed are charged with putting on this event for us. Well, all good stuff. Thanks so much for speaking with us, Clay. Anytime. You know where to find me, and a pleasure uh, speaking with you and, uh, and being part of Salt and Light, as always. Thank you. Thank you. I was speaking with Clay Emo, the director for the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Archdiocese of Vancouver. To find out more about their summer training camps, 
or get their newsletters, visit rcav.org. Lots of good stuff there. Yes, thank you, Sheridan. Always nice to hear from Clay. He's, he's doing good work out in Vancouver. Coming in our second half hour, Mark Matthews has a Holy Week insight and Sister Marie-Paul Curley with excellent film suggestions and some more great Easter music, so stay tuned. Welcome to part two of a special Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. We're going to kick off this half hour with a song. Here is Trevor Thompson with his song, I Rejoiced, from his album, In This Place, published by spiritandsong.com. I rejoiced when I heard them say, let us go to the house of the Lord. I rejoiced. I heard them say, let us go to the house of the Lord. I rejoiced when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord today. Now we stand within your gates. My heart is glad and I Say, let us go to the house of the Lord. I rejoice when I heard them say, let us go to the house of the Lord. Strongly built is Jerusalem. Strongly built with unity and love. Let us go to the house. 
was Trevor Thompson with his song I Rejoiced from his album In This Place, published by spiritandsong.com. Coming up is Sister Marie Paul's Windows to the Soul, but first... What's good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews? Mark, Hello, how are you? Happy, happy, happy Holy Week, I guess. Um, happy Holy Week, yes. Instead of, instead of asking you what's good in Hollywood, I'm going to ask you, what is good inside Mark Matthews' head? Because you had a great insight this week. <laughs> well, thank you. It's not often that this happens that I actually have a good <laughs> insight. So. Um, you know what, this struck me last year uh, during uh, you know all the liturgy, but it just struck me of how how much of a narrative or storytelling that the actual passion narrative really is, um, and just what a kind of a strong tie-in there is for storytelling um, and Hollywood. Um, and, you know, we're, we're very familiar with, you know, the reading of the passion, yeah. um, but it's, it's basically it's how the Church does this. So the first, the first thing to look at is that the structure of the actual Gospel text um, is that of a narrative. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of the longest stories, mm-hmm. but we have, we have, we actually have the actual spoken words of Pilate and Jesus and mm-hmm. the apostles. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just think of kind of like the power of maybe, you know, even oral tradition, you know, of people retelling these stories. And you yes. just think, oh, wow, that's really powerful. That engages our minds, you know, in a whole new way that just, sorry, a retelling of the events couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. The, the next thing here is that. Uh, we use palms on Palm Sunday, and uh, if you think about it, you know, we're basically, we're holding a prop. Yeah. You know, we're holding something, you know, that's mentioned in the Gospels, and this is kind of helping us recreate this. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is this is a tradition that goes back to the 4th century. I think this is a church in Jerusalem that started doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, wow, that's kind of a, a beautiful, you know, little tradition. Um, but the thing that I really kind of love the most um, is that the church we use multiple readers to read uh, to read the gospel. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, I did a little bit of research into this, um, and this is liturgically correct. It was stated in Pascali's Solemnitas. Mm-hmm. It says that it should be sung or read in the traditional way that is by three persons who take the parts of Christ, the narrator, and the people. Hmm. Um, and I wish I could find, actually, I was really trying to figure out how far this tradition goes back. So if anyone knows, please let me know. Um, but it's, you know, it kind of gets me asking. It's like, well, why does the Church do this? Um, and it's, it's it, you know, we're, we're, we're basically, it's like drama. We're, it's the power of reenactment. When yeah. we do these things, when we use the signs, the symbols, you know, we're holding these palms, you know, we hear other people uh, retelling the story, you yes. know, in different voices. It begins to engage our minds and wills uh, in a way that just abstract thought just simply can't. It's, mm-hmm. it's the power of story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, you know, for me, living in Hollywood is, of course, something that I'm very passionate about. Well, that's so what you do. Yeah, that's what you do. You yeah. spend all your day trying to, you know, animate a portion of a story. You have to understand the story. I, I Can I tell you that, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trained as an actor and I have a theater degree. I, I did so many years of passion plays and playing Jesus. And as a deacon, because a deacon can also read the part of Jesus. And last Sunday yeah, it was Palm correct. Sunday. I had the opportunity to read the part of Jesus. And can I tell you, I mean, I know that as a, as a listener in the congregation, having different parts helps you enter the story deeper. But as a reader, I mean, that's a completely different experience and, and a really moving experience as well. And I think that it's the same with the palms. You hold this thing in your hand and, I mean, half the people aren't really doing what they're supposed to be doing if you're supposed to wave them up in the air. But, you know, it's like uh-huh. th- there's that physical thing about our faith that we... You know, we we wave the palms, we kiss the cross, we drink the the wine, we eat the bread, we smell the incense, we light the candle. We, you know, like that's a very sensual thing about Catholicism. So this is this this liturgy, these liturgies in Holy Week are are, yeah. are like an extension of it's like the high liturgy. This is this is this is how <laughs> we best do it, and it's so when it's well done, it's it's well it's well done. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And this is this is my favorite time of year. Yeah, me too. And uh, you know, I was just kind of so excited to see, finally realize last year. I'm like, wow, it's storytelling. This particular liturgy is really yes, kind of focuses is. on that storytelling. It is. It is. It is. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And and the one kind of like interesting counterpoint to this too is that, um, you know, sometimes you know you might have seen say a passion play or something like that during mm-hmm. the liturgy, and this actually something isn't that the church um, encourages. You can totally have them outside of liturgy yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but the, the question is kind of like, well, why not? Um, and at least in Hollywood here, we very much know, we're familiar that if you do something badly, <laughs> you, you instantly, it's like you snap your fingers and you, you take the person out of the story, Yes. and they're not focusing on the story anymore. They're focusing on how bad yeah. the retelling of it is, and you're having the exact opposite effect. Yes, and so I think it, I think this is essentially the reason why we don't say, oh yeah, anyone can have a passion play because it takes so much skill and effort mm-hmm. to actually have you know say a real you know you know if you had real actors up there and whatnot. Yes. So, but the church says, yeah, you know, just having people read this, you know, that's easy enough to do. We can do. Yeah, it easily, absolutely. So. No, and you're right. And it's good advice because if people wanted to do something more, even outside of liturgy in a parish don't do a bad job because that's yeah, exactly, just, it's not yeah, going to help absolutely. anybody enter into any spirit of Holy Week or prayer. Absolutely. All right, my friend yeah. Mark, that's all the time we have. Well, thank you, Pedro. But thank you for your insights this week, and I, I, uh, I wish you a happy Easter. Yes, you too. All right. God bye bless. Bye-bye. Mark Matthew, our undercover Hollywood missionary, he joined us on the phone from his home in L.A. Hi, this is Josh Blakesley, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. This is a special Easter edition of Salt of the Salt and Light Hour. You can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And now... Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, can I say Happy Easter yet? I think you can say Happy Easter. Happy, happy Easter. Easter to you, too. Happy <laughs> Easter. Happy Easter. So you have some, what, five films on on five, five the top five films on... on, on uh, the, the coming to, coming to New Life. Coming because to New Life. They're not Easter films, yes. 
Remember last year we did that frantically fast run through of my top 10 Easter films? Yes. And that'll still be up on my blog if people want to find that. But um, I wanted to share some not-so-obvious films that uh-huh. fit the Easter season in the sense of coming to new life. Okay. Um, and I have five, I have actually five films with one tie listed here, and I have some runners-up that I'll also put on my blog as well. Okay, so, so there are some more. Okay, okay good. So, num- so num- Number five. Yeah is uh, the classic Betty Davis film entitled Now Voyager. And it's the story of a woman who's been, her family situation is very tragic, full of abuse, and she's lost all sense of herself. And through counseling and an impossible romance, after all, this is a classic Betty Davis film, she gradually transforms from from an ugly duckling into a strong woman who comes to really care for others. So she comes to know uh, new life in the sense of what, love is really all about. Mm. The acting in this film is amazing. It's one of the best films that includes, um, uh, you know, referral, reference to therapy that I've ever seen. Uh-huh. Um, and Betty Davis was nominated for an Oscar in acting, and anybody who's, got, who's a fan of films from the 40s will recognize the cast of characters. Um, so it's not exactly a literal escape from death, but really a psychological and emotional coming to life okay, in, so, in yeah. the character. Sounds good. I've never even heard of it, but I'm going to look it up. I hope I hope I hope it's available for for uh, rental and and viewing. Um, mm-hmm. But I I just I thought it was great. Okay. Film number four number is four. my tie, and it's between two movies from last year, mm-hmm. which are quite different. Um, but they both are really very strongly about new life. We've got The Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. um, which really the it's the the theme is really the Batman coming to new life in yeah. many ways. First, overcoming the the bad guy. Um, but also Batman or Bruce Wayne himself discovering um, the ability, I think, to hope once again. Mm-hmm. And um, he starts off in the film so broken, and by the end of the film, he's, he's, he's well, I don't want to give it away. Mm-hmm. No spoilers, I no, guess. No, but that's good. But it's by the end life, of the film, yeah. he's not quite as broken. Yeah. Um, and? And then Le- Les Miserables, oh, of course, yeah. I spoke about just, just last just week. Just last week, but yeah. But any film version of this, of this story would be great. We've got Jean Valjean's character coming to new life through the mercy of the bishop, yeah. and we have the new life that he nurtures throughout. throughout yeah, the everybody. Film. So yeah. Okay. Good. Good. So okay. Number third three. Film, number three. Secondhand lions. Oh yeah. This is this is a little known gem of a movie from two thousand three uh-huh. that the whole family can see together. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more attentive you are to it, the more you'll get out of it. Uh-huh. Um, Haley Joel Osment, whom we all remember yes. from the little boy character in Sixth Sense, yes. stars as Walter, an awkward adolescent whose irresponsible mother drops him off at his seemingly crazy uncle's home in Texas. Yeah. These uncles are played by Robert Duvall and Michael Caine. So we've got lots of comedy yes. as this awkward kid and these gruff old men interact. Yes. But both are really transformed. And the young, the young man's journey is not literally from death, but he is facing a, some pretty th- serious threats mm-hmm. to physical harm. Um, and then he meets his uncle. So mm-hmm. this is a delightful film, again, with wonderful performances. It's great to see with the family. Yeah, it is. I remember liking it very much. Yeah. It's a great film. Film number two, number two. is the, Ma- the Matrix. Oh. Now, I know, maybe an unusual choice, but for me, cinematically, The Matrix offers so many like visual moments and even narrative moments of resurrection that I had to include it. Mm-hmm. Um, like many other films, um, including The Dark Knight Rises, I struggle with a seeming glorification of violence in this film. Mm. And yet, it's really a very profound film, too. So 
I'm sure many people have seen it, but it's about Neo, a computer hacker who's played by Keno Reeves. Mm -hmm. He discovers that his entire life has been controlled by others without his even knowing it. And so he's encouraged to join and then lead a rebellion against those who control him in the world. But it's, it's a journey from being like almost in a coma-like state to becoming aware. Um, and this journey has a huge cost, you know, this journey from captivity to freedom. And mm -hmm. so it's a very powerful film about coming to new life. Interesting. Yeah, I never even saw, I never didn't see, I'm not a fan of Keanu Reeves, so I never saw any of them, but I'm going to have to uh, maybe look at them. They're violent, though. There's I can't, yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of deeper meaning in, in The Matrix, especially okay. the first film, especially. Uh-huh. Okay, um, so number one. Film number one is, um, it, this was not hard to pick because it's my favorite movie of all time. Um, it's a wonderful is life. The, is <laughs> I knew, you, I, I should have known you were going to say that. It's not Pedro. It's a Wonderful Life, uh, the greatest movie of all no, time. No, it's not a wonderful life. It's actually quite a bit of a darker film um, okay. because when you show a journey to new life, you have to show the death yeah. from which the characters are escaping or coming from. Mm -hmm. And my favorite film, the number one film, would be Schindler's List. Oh, yeah. This, mass, this is a masterpiece by Steven Spielberg, and it, while it, it explores the depravity of the Holocaust, it also captures uh, the escape from the Holocaust in the, per, in, the, in the Jews that are saved in the film, but also in um, the, the protagonist, Oscar Schindler, who begins the film as a total self-serving, greedy jerk who doesn't mm -hmm. care if anybody else lives or dies, but who is gradually transformed by the horrors that he witnesses into risking his own life and his, his wealth mm -hmm. um, to save the Jews who are working for him. Mm -hmm. And so this journey from selfishness to self-sacrifice is really a journey from sinfulness to grace. And it's a very, very powerful film. Um, and it, it, it's brilliant also because they even, Spielberg even decides to contrast Schindler with one of the leaders of the Nazi concentration mm -hmm. camp. And just as you see one character choosing life again and again and again and how that changes him, and you see the other character choosing death mm -hmm. over and over again, mm -hmm. it just, it really speaks to the power of, of life um, and, offers, and offers a message of hope. So these are not your Easter Bunny movies, no, Pedro. They're, they're not good. just they're light and fluffy. No, I like it because it's films that have a, a theme about new life, which I guess is a common theme in movies, but this is really good. Now, are you going to post these five, these six on your blog as well? I'll have these on my blog, and um, and I'll I have the runners up, and I'll also I'll repost a link the also ten to the top Easter ten films. Easter films for a more traditional list. Okay, as well. very yeah. good. Thank you very much, Sister Marie Paul. Happy Easter. Thank you, Pedro, and you too. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com. Here now is Matt Marr with Shine Like the Sun. Beautiful, a son of all your people 
We're listening to Matt Marr with Shine Like the Sun from his album Empty and Beautiful, published by spiritandsong.com. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. All these programs are also available there for download. On that same page, you will find links to all the artists whom we feature on the Salt and Light Hour. And you can watch our featured music video of the week. Our email is radio at saltandlighttv.org. We love your emails. Salt and Light Radio is a ministry of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. And remember that you can follow us with our Twitter handle, at Salt and Light TV. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM. If you're on Facebook, go to our page, Salt and Light Radio, Salt Plus Light Radio, and like us. Today I was joined by our news expert, Krista Matrenko, our diocesan expert, Sheridan Sanders, our saint expert, Andrew Santos, our parenting expert, Jillian Cantor, our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews, and our film expert, Sister Marie-Paul Curley. Our sound engineer is Javier Capella, and the executive producer of Salt and Light is Father Thomas Rosica. I'm not an expert in anything, but I am Deacon Pedro, and I love doing this program. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Thank you for being with us. Have a holy and blessed Easter season. Come home, baby.